I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together, we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. The sky is green. Remember that theory? Oh, it's coming out again because you're not going to believe what they're trying to pull. We have John Cardillo and it's Pi Day. All that's coming up on I'm Right. We can't let anything stop us now. We need to bring some real determination, the same work ethic, the same enthusiasm. And if we do that, we're going to keep the House and keep the Senate and add seats. And by the way, if we don't do that, if we don't do that, it's going to be a sad, sad two years. Oh, they're scared to death. <laughs> they're scared to death. All right. Now, I realize we have a bunch of new viewers, and obviously, who can blame you for watching the show? But if you're new, maybe you're unfamiliar with my sky is green theory. If you've been watching for a while, you know it by heart. But here's my ham-fisted example of how easy society can be manipulated today. First and foremost, remember, cultures have pillars that hold them up. Pillars. You have a religion and whatever your culture is, it helps hold your culture up. Entertainment's actually one of the pillars that holds your culture up. Governments, you have so many different things that help hold your culture up. Your society rests on these things. And ideally in a society, they believe different things and have different missions. You know, 
Hollywood isn't going to put out a movie that Washington supports? But that's ridiculous. The, the, the education system, they're not going to go along with whatever the CDC is saying. That's ideal. Obviously, we don't have that here because the communists have infiltrated and infected every single cultural institution we have. They all believe the same thing now. There's just, they're all one. They all work together and they're all working against you. So how does that play out? What's that have to do with the sky is green? What's it have to do with the economy? Just hang with me here real quick. You are a thinking person. I know that because there are a thousand options for you to be watching right now. Thousand. You've chosen to sit here and watch I'm Right on the first. You think. Lots of people don't, though. And the communist needs those people. And he knows he can use his control of all of those cultural pillars and convince people of anything. Absolutely anything. If he woke up today and decided he wanted America to believe the sky is green, you would roll your eyes the second you heard it. You'd laugh. You'd never believe it. However, understand what the average person would see and hear if the communists wanted that done. The communists would say it was the sky is green. Obviously, the entire Democratic Party, they never break ranks. They'd all be saying the sky is green. 75% of the Republican Party, because they're a bunch of useless, gutless losers, they would go along with it. Well, we better say the sky is green. Otherwise, the Democrats will get mad at us. All the media would go along with it. There'd be article after article after article. Biggest newspapers in the country. The sky is green. I can't believe we just discovered this. The sky is green. Every cable news channel would have on an expert. I, I'm Dr. Nerd. I went to Harvard for 10,000 years. And I, we discovered because of these molecules, the sky is green. Hollywood wouldn't make movies about the sky being green. The college professor teaching your child, he would demand your child acknowledge the greenness of the sky or he doesn't graduate. Corporate America now, one of our cultural pillars who's been brought into the communist fold, they'd start running ad after ad after ad about the green sky and green sky and green sky over and over and over and over and over again everywhere you turn. And soon, you would have a significant portion of America believing something that they can see with their own two eyes is not true. That's what happens when you have a rotted, corrupted country. When you've gotten to the place where everything is a lie. Everything is built on lies now. Democrats are going to now rely on that. They're going to rely on it all the way because what you're seeing out there is indefensible. There's the, the, you can't hide it. Normal people who live paycheck to paycheck are getting slaughtered right now. Slaughtered. The job market is awful. You can't get people to work. If you can, they stink. People can't find good jobs. People can't afford gas. They can't afford eggs. They can't afford meat. People are looking at the stock market. They're looking at inflation killing everyone, and they know this is bad, and it's looking really bad. So if that was you, if you were in charge and that was the situation, inflation high, gas prices high, you would probably get up to the microphone and say something to the effect of, hey, I know you're hurting. Me, my team, we are on it. We're going we're gonna to do the best we can to, to ease the pain for you and your family, try to get us back to some semblance of normalcy. That's what you would do because you're a normal, sane human being. What are they doing? Well, when you have everything in your pocket, you can just get up and say, economy, we're killing it. Let's be clear. When America's recovery was flat on its back and the economy was flat on its back, it was the Democrats. 
without a single Republican vote that brought us back. Not a single Republican vote brought us back. He's claiming, one, we're back, and two, their massive bill brought us back. Do, do we feel back? Do you feel back? Because I'll tell you, I've got some facts and figures in front of me. I, I, I don't feel bad back at all. And look, we're not back. Inflation's already up 7.9%. Average American family now spending $3,000 a year for inflation. You got an extra three grand in your pocket? Just got, just got some pocket change laying around there? And look, they have a two-pronged strategy. And all blatant lies, but it's a two-pronged strategy. Sky is green, right? Uh, one, Democrats brought the economy back. But two, if you're mad about that, well, you have some people you can blame. First and foremost on the blame, Putin. Because of the rescue plan, four million more jobs are created. Unemployment is 2% lower than it would have been and had we failed to ask. And it didn't cause the inflation. Make no mistake, inflation is largely the fault of Putin. Never forget what we've accomplished together so far. And by the way, the American people just trying to stay above water don't understand this. You tell them what the American Recovery Act was, they look at you like, what are you talking about? Yeah, it's Putin's fault, and you're too stupid to realize what he did. Why are you so stupid? That's the message they're going with. And obviously, these are blatant lies. Occasionally, you'll come across an honest broker from the other side. Not often, but you do have to give some credit to Larry Summers, an Obama economist who called him out for it. This is a grave problem. The president was wrong to blame uh, this month's number on Ukraine. Everybody had been expecting from the time before Putin uh, launched the invasion that inflation was going to accelerate uh, from uh, January to February. This is a consequence fundamentally of an overheated uh, economy, and we are not going to have a full solution until we do something about uh, that overheated uh, economy. Ouch. And we have, man, I hate to even say this, because isn't there enough bad news out there? The worst is actually yet to come. Remember this. Remember, when you start to feel inflation, that's not because of things that are happening right now. That's because of things that were happening way before. This, this took time to get down to us. The inflation you're starting to feel now, a lot of this is because of things we did prior to Joe Biden even taking office. He's taken office and made everything worse. Look, we... We have some hard times coming. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen, even though she's a disgusting communist liar, at least finally came out and told you it's coming. I don't want to make a prediction uh, exactly as to what's going to happen in the second half of the year. You know, we're likely to see another year in which 12-month inflation numbers remain very uncomfortably high. Uncomfortably high? That doesn't sound good. And look, what are they actually doing about inflation? Everyone knows why you get inflation. You print unbacked money, lots of it. You print a dollar that's not backed, you've lowered the value of the dollar. We printed 80% of the money in existence in the last two years. What do you think is going to happen? 
Remember, 15 days to slow the spread. You know, pause on that. We're not going to go off. It should be known, though. What's their plan to fight inflation? They just passed a $1.5 trillion bill with the help of Republicans. They don't have a plan to fight inflation. Their plan seems to be make inflation worse. And back to my sky is green theory. They're going to tell you now that the sky is green. They're going to tell you the economy. Inflation? Government spending actually helps it. It's important to dispel some of those who say, well, it's the government spending. No, it isn't. The government spending is doing the exact reverse, reducing the national debt. It is not inflationary. I'm sick of this stuff. We have to talk about it because the American people think the reason for inflation is government spending more money. Simply not true. Now do you understand my sky's green theory and why it gets brought up time and time again now? They're going to blame Putin. They're going to blame you for being too stupid to realize how good you have it. And they're going to lie. The economy's good and spending doesn't cause inflation. This is, look, I don't have... I don't have anything to tell you except remember, this is what happens when we have the dumbest people in our society leading our society. This is what happens. We have the dumbest, most corrupt, least capable people in America leading America. We actually, we actually stopped a $20 trillion economy for a virus. And then, and then with it stopped, we just started printing money. What did you think was going to happen? I was screaming about it for two years. Day one when it was announced. I said, do you see what you're doing? Well, the bill comes due. All that may have made you uncomfortable, but I'm right. We got John Cardillo. He's coming up next. He's got a lot to talk about. First, let's talk about Eden Pure Thunderstorm and how wonderful it is. You have one of these things yet? I've told you this before. One of my producers, Michael, has a new puppy. Puppies have... accidents in the house. Michael said he had to unplug his Eden Pure Thunderstorm because it cleans the air of odors so well he couldn't ever smell it when the dog had an accident. When I tell you this thing's amazing, this thing is amazing. I own three of them. I suggest you do the same. Go to EdenPureDeals.com, use the code JESSE, and that gets you a three-pack for under $200. EdenPureDeals.com, code JESSE. We'll be back. What am I doing here? How long should Americans expect? How long should we be bracing for um, this really sort of um, historic inflation and some unprecedented gas prices? Sure. Well, that's inspiring. Joining me now, my friend John Cardillo, conservative commentator, former NYPD. John, uh, it's not where we're at. It's that we still have at least three more years of this, and we're heading in not a good direction. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the ghosts of, of Teddy Roosevelt, Abraham Lincoln are rolling in their graves that we have such a great orator as the vice president of the United States. I mean, Jesse, what a command of the issues. And talk about it, just an extemporaneous speaker for the ages. The quality of our content is incredible. This this has to be one of the most embarrassing moments for the United States of America. Our vice president 
turning to a foreign leader to talk about United States domestic energy and economic policies because the cackling weirdo it has, has so little knowledge of the issues facing our nation that she couldn't answer a simple, but even more important, Jesse, an expected question. I mean, did her comms team think she wasn't going to be asked about inflation and the price of gas? John, John I've, I've, I've explained to people this before, that the people, the powers that be in this country, the Biden administration, all these people, they're not having meetings right now trying to figure out how to fix inflation because the normal American family is getting crushed. They're having meetings right now just figuring how to change the messaging. How do we, how do we shift blame? How do we change the messaging? No one is actually trying to fix inflation. No, look, they gave themselves a 21% budget increase to hire more congressional staffers. Americans are suffering. So right now with inflation where it is, Jesse, you've seen the numbers, we share a lot of the same content. Uh, Americans are, they've lost about a month of pay, right? All these price increases, gas, groceries, wheat, commodities that go into your everyday goods. Cause the average American to lose about a month of pay due to these price increases. At the same time, Congress gives themselves a 21% budget increase to hire more staff or they give their staff raises. How tone deaf is that? I mean, how incredibly tone deaf to the plight of everyday Americans. A single working mom on a bus stop working two jobs, they're telling, eh, go spend 60 grand, buy a Tesla, too bad. Golly. It's got, well, here's a little clip from Trevor Noah. It must be really bad if this loser is coming yeah. out against him. There is no denying that Saudi Arabia isn't playing ball with Joe Biden. And you know what? You can say what you want, but this would have never happened to Donald Trump. Never. No one was ever ignoring Donald Trump's calls. Yeah, because if you ignored Donald Trump's calls, you didn't know how he would respond. Maybe he'd send an angry tweet, or maybe he'd just, like, ban your country from everything. You don't know. That's why I bet in these situations, Biden actually wishes that he could hire Trump to step in as President Wildcard. You know, just keep everyone on their toes. Because if Trump was calling, you best believe the UAE, they'll be racing to pick up the phone. Oh, Mr. Trump, Mr. Trump, we're here. We're here. Hello? Too late, Ahmed. You made me wait two rings. We're bombing the UAE and the UFC, just in case. One, that's actually pretty funny. Two, the Trump stuff aside, that story kind of flew under the radar, John, but that is a little bit alarming that Saudi Arabia and the UAE are now refusing phone calls from the American president? How fast have we lost our standing in the world? I mean, look, Trevor Noah was funny, but he was right. They would never would have done this to Trump. They, look, they wouldn't have done it to Obama, but they certainly wouldn't have done it to Trump. Or, so Jesse, I go to the Balkans about once a quarter on business. I don't, I don't typically talk about the other private sector stuff I do on, on social media, but I'll say I go to the Balkans once a quarter on business. And the when I got there in May, uh, they were very nervous about Biden because that part of the world, they're always very nervous about Russia and China and, you know, Iran and the bad guys in the world. And and the, the Balkans, by and large, wants to be recognized by the United States, right? They want the world to <coughs> things. And it's no longer the 90s post-Balkans war. It's not the Slobodan Milosevic Balkans anymore, you know, genocide Balkans. They're a first world countries now with growing economies. They were nervous about Biden. When I went back in November... They were despondent. And when I speak to them now, they're basically saying, how in the world did you guys in America put this this completely incompetent, incapacitated person 
into the Oval Office. They just can't figure it out because most nations in the world would not be tolerating this. Our standing is gone. They don't even take them seriously. They're waiting him out until we have a real president again. Yeah, aren't we all? All right, <laughs> switching gears here. Southern border from 2021, deportations fell 70%. 70% last year, John. On top of everything else, we are flooding the country with illegal immigrants and not deporting any of them. And you'll have to forgive me, but I, I can't help but feel like this is part of the plan. Yeah, Jesse, you know, one of the other stories not being told, I'm glad you brought up that, that you know, obviously we know the corporate media, you and I know the corporate media doesn't tell stories. But the other story not being told is while the price of everything is going up, the street price of illegal narcotics is stable or down. And, and that's because it's flooded across our southern border. Cocaine, fentanyl, synthetic methamphetamine, heroin, uh, uh, you know, all of these substitutes for the people that got hooked on Oxy by Big Pharma that the Democrats love to protect. Well, they can't get Oxy anymore because the, the pharmacies are cracking down. It's now flooding across the border. Chinese fentanyl comes in by way of our southern border. The ripple effect of this is devastating. How many terrorists have come across the border in addition to the narco traffickers? This is, this is a, a, a national security situation, both abroad and on our border. And you and I have done a lot of shows together. We're friends a long time. We joke a lot. I can't joke about this one. This is absolutely a public safety and national security crisis, 100% the fault of Democrats and the Biden administration, 100%. John, can you explain to people who don't understand what fentanyl is? We have this West Point cadet just, uh, just OD'd on it down in Florida, and you have right. all these fentanyl deaths. This guy's dying from fentanyl. St. George Floyd died from fentanyl. Everyone's dying from fentanyl. Why are people taking fentanyl? Well, it's painkiller. Uh, it was it was developed as a painkiller, but depending on who you speak to, good rule of thumb, it's about a thousand times more potent than raw heroin. Uh, anecdotally, to give you a, a case scenario, multiple, multiple, uh, incident upon incident of police officers who simply come upon it in a vehicle they pull over who think, oh, maybe it's cocaine or heroin, who don't handle it properly. Now, now mind you, they're not ingesting this, Jesse. They get a bit, I mean, a, a, a pinhead size uh, a portion of it on their clothing or outside of their rubber glove it's absorbed by their skin or particulates are inhaled they need narcan they go into full-blown overdose and when they when they lace other narcotics with this uh, uh heroin that might be snorted or cocaine it becomes highly highly fatal it's it's this is true russian roulette when you're using fentanyl and if you don't know your drugs are being laced with it because for the viewers that don't know, drug dealers often cut their drug, their, their heroin, their cocaine, with other substances to make it go a longer way, right? Your kilo of cocaine becomes a lot more valuable if you cut it. You can sell more uh, uh, divided coke in ounces or grams or eight bowls or whatever. They sell it on the street. When you're cutting it with fentanyl, it's the equivalent of, you might as well be sticking arsenic or cyanide in there. That, that's how dangerous it is. Okay, I'm going to ask a stupid question, but you're an NYPD cop and you know this stuff, and I don't know this daggone stuff. If you're a drug dealer, I obviously know you're probably not the most upstanding, considerate member of society, but I also do know it doesn't pay to kill your customer base. Why would you give them fentanyl? Well, that's why the cartel bosses will typically go out and kill the street-level guys who do mix the stuff with fentanyl, right? Because there's a mixture that makes the drug more potent when they add fentanyl, 
and it'll make the addict come back and buy more, the casual user come back and buy more. But your street level drug dealers don't know them, right? These guys are mostly morons with a with a kindergarten and third grade education. And and there have been more than a few uh, uh, you know cases where the where the cartels have stepped in and killed those street level dealers for that exact reason. Number one, they're killing their customers and taking revenue. But number two, they're bringing law enforcement uh, attention down on them. And so you shouldn't do it, but you really can't trust you know, street level corner boys to engage in quality control. And and so that's why yeah. it's happening. Yeah. Well, if you can't trust your street level drug dealer, who can you trust in this day and age? John, Trevor thank you, Noah. my brother. Thanks, yeah, yeah, Trevor Noah. <laughs> See you both. <laughs> Take care, bud. Fascinating world. That whole drug world, fascinating world, is it not? Golly, what a country. Don't do drugs. All right, we still have a lot, a lot of show to go. The biggest problem we have right now seems to be growing larger. The administrative state, what's, what's the DHS? What are, what are they targeting now? Who are they targeting now? You're not gonna believe this, that's coming up here in just a second. But first, let's talk about your gear, the quality of your gear. I don't have to work hard to convince you to buy a weapon of some kind now, right? I mean, you look around, you should probably own a weapon. I don't have to convince you to buy ammo. Maybe even some decent ammo if you can afford it. Where'd you get your holster? Did you spend the money on the ammo and the gun and then just turn around and grab a random holster off the shelf? You know Northwest Retention Systems? I've had a lot of gear in my life. I've never had gear this level of quality because everything's custom made. Everything's custom made and custom made right here in America. Slings, mag carriers, holsters, you name it, they have it. Yes, they have some of the coolest designs I've ever seen, but the quality is what floors me. Go to nwretention.com and get some quality gear. Use the promo code JESSE and that gets you 10% off. nwretention.com. We'll be back. What have I told you is the most dangerous thing happening in America today? And, and I know there's a laundry list of things to, to, to choose from, right? You could go financially. Finances are real. Finances are what pay for food and health care and everything else. It's, that would be legitimate. You could go the border. I mean, filling up the country with illegal immigrants, drugs, people with no loyalty to the country. It's a big deal. You could say foreign affairs. I mean, my goodness, we might have World War III by the time we wake up tomorrow, right? These all, all these answers are fine. All these answers are fine. They are not the most dangerous thing happening in this country right now. The most dangerous thing happening in the United States of America is the forces of government, the government agencies, lining up against you and deciding you are a domestic terrorist and an enemy of the United States. How bad is it? How scary is it? Look at this. The Director of National Intelligence, the Department of Justice, and the DOJ, they had a meeting, all right? They had a threat assessment prepared for them. This, this is all declassified stuff. This is from back in March of 2021. They noted this. Domestic violent extremists who have been, quote, galvanized by recent political and societal events in the United States pose an elevated threat to the homeland. Some of the developments they called attention to were, quote, narratives of fraud in the recent general election, 
the emboldening impact of the violent breach of the U.S. Capitol, conditions related to COVID-19 pandemic, and conspiracy theories promoting violence. The report went on to say it was certain this will spur violent extremism. So with all the things happening on our southern border, all the dangers in our society right now, Director of Intelligence, DOJ, DHS, they've all gotten together, sat around a table and decided, you're the threat. And okay, where do we go from here? What, what do these people want done to you? Well, I'm not a big watcher of The View, but I thought Anna Navarro summed it up pretty well. Yeah. And I think DOJ, in the same way that it is uh, setting up a task force to investigate oligarchs, should look into people who are Russian propagandists and shilling for Putin. That's being, if you are a foreign asset uh, to a dictator, mm -hmm. it should be investigated. You know what's wild, too? And I'm, I know this is going to make you uncomfortable, but it's true. I want you to understand something. You can yell about Anna Navarro or yell about the view. That's crazy. What kind of communist nut job? Every liberal you know thinks like that. You're surrounded by people who think like that. You know that? Surely that has been revealed to you, especially over the last four to six years. You were surrounded by people who, if they had the power to do so, would have you locked up and thrown in a dark hole for what you believe. I know that's uncomfortable. We don't like to think about it, but it's true. Your kooky Ann on Facebook who just posted about her ninth booster shot, she'd have you thrown in prison for speaking against it, and you know I'm right. It is time to be very vigilant about how evil these people are and how they're running the FBI, DOJ, CIA, it is a big deal and by far the most dangerous thing happening in the United States of America today. And I'll credit this. I've been saying any Republican running for president who doesn't choose to attack this and try to really clean this out is disqualified. I don't care who it is. Credit where it's due. Trump had a big rally. Sounded like a man who's going to take this serious next time. We will pass critical reforms, making every executive branch employee fireable. Fireable by the President of the United States. The deep state must and will be brought to heel. It's already happening. It must. He's right. If he is the next president, let's hope he means it. Because we need it. All right. We have a lot more coming up still on the show. Michael Sanger still is to come. We still have Pi Day to celebrate. But first, before we do any more celebrating, let's talk about home title theft. You see, as someone who's not a tech guy, it was very hard for me to understand why my home title was online at all. I didn't put it there. Who put my home title online? It's just something all these banking institutions do now. They put your home title out there in the cloud. Because it's out there in the cloud, it can be hacked into. There are guys who spend every waking moment doing just that. As you're watching me right now, they're looking, looking for your home title, trying to hack in. If they do, they're going to forge your signature on it, take one or several loans out against it, take off with the money, and you're going to have to pay that loan back. Or you can just go get home title lock and stop that because they'll detect any tampering and shut it down immediately. 
Go to HomeTitleLock.com today and sign up. HomeTitleLock.com. We'll be back. I know you're going to find this shocking, but social media, they haven't exactly changed their ways when it comes to censoring people who say things they don't like. One of the most important voices in the last two years has been Michael Sanger. Why? Well, you should really read his book and you'll find out why. It's called Snake Oil, How Xi Jinping Shut Down the World. Now, that sounds like something beneficial for people to know, right? If the leader of the world's largest country did something nefarious and did so on purpose, I would think governments, social media, everybody would be interested in what Michael Sanger has to say. But it seems like they're not because he just got permanently banned from Twitter. Michael, what'd you do, brother? Thank you, Jesse. Thank you for letting me come on the show. Um, really, you know, I, over the last two years, I've been researching uh, the response to COVID-19 and uh, writing about that on Twitter. Uh, with a special focus on uh, China's influence on the response to COVID-19. And that culminated with my book, uh, Snake Oil, How Xi Jinping Shut Down the World, which really paints a damning picture of the motivations behind the response to COVID-19. Um, you know, what my research revealed over the last two years is that, you know, using its influence in elite institutions and uh, especially media institutions, academic institutions all over the world, uh, and using propaganda on a sort of unprecedented scale that China was able to launder these totalitarian policies, starting with lockdowns and then going to, of course, the mass mandates and all these mandates, just kind of launder them into, you know, so-called science as a way of exporting their sort of totalitarian system all over the world. So, you know, um, Twitter's pretext, the very last tweet that I went out on was one saying that, you know, every single one of these policies from the lockdowns and mass to the uh, mass testing and vaccine passes was all one giant fraud. Um, that was the pretext on which that they banned me, but it's very clear that they'd had their eye on me for a long time. And the irony is that that was such a sort of powerful uh, last tweet to go out on. And, you know, of course, since that was my last tweet that I got banned for, uh, that one ended up going viral and got seen, you know, hundreds of times more than it otherwise would have. And I actually got a huge uh, boost in, you know, visibility for my book out of that. So it really kind of backfired on them. But yeah, you know, this is, um, they definitely had their eye on my work for a long time. You know, I don't think you can understate just how sinister this is, the role that these big social media companies have played, you know, not only with the response to COVID, but in our political discourse overall. You know, Twitter often compares itself to a publication like the New York Times. New York Times is an extremely influential publication, and they do have their own bias, and um, that is inherent in everything they publish. The big difference is that, you know, when the New York Times publishes a story or publishes an opinion piece, you know what you're reading is coming from the New York Times. You know that there is their opinion. With Twitter, Twitter has a massive influence on our political discourse, and part of the reason for that is that when people use Twitter, they believe they're getting a sample of what the popular <coughs> opinion is about any given subject. If Twitter is systematically censoring and canceling the most articulate and popular voices on any given side of any given uh, discussion, then what you're creating is an artificial consensus. 
they're creating an artificial consensus as to what the um, popular opinion, popular consensus is on any given topic. As something we saw with every single stage of the response to COVID-19, first with lockdowns, people who opposed lockdowns were getting canceled. Uh, then with every single stage, uh, once you had vaccine mandates, uh, prominent vaccine skeptics and skeptics of uh, vaccine mandates were getting canceled. That's creates this kind of false consensus. That's extraordinarily sinister as something that really nobody has ever had that power within our democracies before to create that kind of artificial consensus and actually spit so this illusion that there is a consensus around a certain subject that doesn't actually exist to make the entire world believe that there is a consensus that is simply artificial. That's something that really you've only seen in the past within totalitarian dictatorships in China and um, and the Soviet Union, for example. And so that's extraordinarily dangerous to our democratic discourse. It is, and it seems so similar to China. I, 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 mean, I, I call it my sky is green theory, but basically it's just an example of all of our cultural institutions that are supposed to be separate entities they're all now saying the same thing at all times. They all protect each other. They all say the same things. And because of that, we live in what we think is an information age, but it's, it's, it's not impossible to get accurate information anymore. Yeah, that's exactly right. It is just like China. Um, I, regardless of what the motivation is, the exact motivation is for Twitter to be doing this, I mean, it's very clear that given the dishonesty of it, there's only one real explanation. They perceive it to be in their self-interest. This is a calculated move to say that, you know, um, canceling this person, the bad precedent that creates for us is worth it because, you know, what this person has to say is uh, dangerous, more dangerous for us in the long term. Um, you know, Twitter, I don't, it, it's hard to say what their exact motivation is but um you know they know that this is a lie at this point it's hard to believe that they are not aware that the response to COVID-19 has been an absolute catastrophe and at this point they're trying to keep that lie alive they're trying to steer the conversation and create uh keep this sort of fictional pseudo reality alive where the uh, response to COVID-19 was actually justifiable. And so that's why they're on this new crusade to cancel some of the leading voices that are um, you know, trying to shed light on how catastrophic the response to COVID-19 actually was and how that actually took place. Speaking of leading voices, one of the leading voices from the other side of this whole thing has been the CEO of Pfizer. And he came out this weekend and had this to say. So you've seen some of that data on a, on a fourth dose, a second booster shot. Mm -hmm. You think it will be necessary? It is necessary, a fourth boost right now. The, the protection that you're getting from the third, it is uh, good enough, actually quite good for hospitalizations and deaths. It's not that good against infections, but doesn't last very long. Mm -hmm. But we are just submitting those data to the FDA, and then we will see what the experts also will say outside five. But Michael, doesn't last very long? I swear that's what he just said. Fourth booster shot, so we're now on four shots in two years? Uh, you want to talk about a farce to keep going? Uh, come on now, anyone with two eyes can see this, right? Yeah, it is an absolute farce. Um, but, you know, it's been very clear for a long time now that, you know, they have made, um, you know, 
it's been very clear that this has all been a pretext to normalize this idea of getting, you know, regular vaccines and of conditioning people to accept that their uh, your, their rights are conditioned on getting these sort of regular vaccines. And, you know, what we see when normalizing this vaccine passes, I mean, they really have not been discreet about this at all. This has all been a very sort of systematic process to uh, condition people's rights on, you know, regular vaccine compliance. Um, you know, it's been clear for a long time that these vaccines do not last especially long. The, pro- the protection that they provide is nowhere close to what you get from actually getting the virus and getting natural immunity. And for that to have this sort of long lasting protection, um, yeah, I mean, he might be right. You might be, have to get these on a, you know, sort of regular basis. And you know, has been a pretext to normalize that. I mean, it, you know, on from getting a four shot, then you need fifth, sixth, and so on and so forth. Uh, you know, I think at one point it was either the CEO of Pfizer or one of the other um, big public health authorities that was saying that we need to actually change the language from being fully vaccinated to being up to date on your vaccinations. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, they have not been discreet about this at all, that they want these shots in arms, you know, regularly multiple times per year going forward. All right, Michael, finally, China. China just locked down, again, at least 51 million of its own citizens. What do you make of that? You know, I think from the very beginning, these lockdowns have been theater for both domestic and international audiences. Uh, You know, there's no question that China has used these lockdowns, uh, not just with COVID, but actually, you know, they... um, use them at some point before then, but also throughout COVID, as uh, propaganda for domestic purposes. And that's what a lot of what we're seeing with this recent round of lockdowns is keeping this idea of zero COVID within China alive, uh, both for their own people and for international audiences. You know, this is, uh, you know, it, it goes back to the Chinese Communist Party's longstanding hybrid of public health and security policy which I go into more detail about in my book and how that was sort of disseminated all over the world. And this is an extraordinarily useful way for the Chinese Communist Party to crush dissent within China. They kind of have this constant state of emergency, this constant state of um, this lie that you have to keep out COVID-19 at all costs, this lie that either you're, you're maintaining zero COVID through all these really strict lockdowns and these quarantine camps everything it makes it's just another layer of totalitarianism to um kill off any kind of dissent within china and keep there from being any kind of dissent you know so whatever the motivations behind any particular lockdown in any particular city it's all the same sort of hybrid of public health and security policy it's all simply theater to keep the chinese communist party in charge within china and what we saw at the beginning of COVID-19 is this policy actually being disseminated, systematically disseminated all over the world and getting the entire world for a while to chase the same lie of zero COVID that they have to implement, you know, lockdowns, mass mandates, uh, vaccine passes, um, border restrictions, just all, all these insane totalitarian policies, all utterly useless now, we know, in controlling a respiratory virus but um you know extremely useful in sowing the idea that there is this super virus out there that you have to you know this dire situation that you have to keep this virus away at all cost it's extremely useful in 
you know, exporting this uh, totalitarian system all over the world. Michael Sanger, his book is Snake Oil. Thank you so much, my brother. Thank you, Jesse. All right. It's time to lighten the mood. Did you know it's Pi Day? I know it's Pi Day, and I know what that means. Hang on. Well, I fancy myself as a bit of a journalist, right? I know what you're thinking. Jesse, you're just a, just a pundit. But look, I have to keep you up to date on the news. And as a super serious journalist, that's my job. So when I woke up today and some nerd told me it was Pi Day, I thought, well, okay, let's talk about Pi. Let's have an in-depth conversation about what today's all about. And I thought the best way to probably do this would be to give you my top five pies. All right, in reverse order, top five pies. The first one, probably gonna shock you. I have always had this rule, this hard, fast rule. What is that rule? Don't nut the dessert. Don't nut the dessert. Don't put nuts in my brownies. Keep your nuts out of my ice cream. Keep your nuts out of my dessert. There is, however, an exception to that, pecan pie. I've come around on pecan pie. Number five is where pecan pie comes in. Number four, Dutch apple. And you notice I did say Dutch apple, right? And I don't want anyone to take that as being an insult to normal apple pie. I eat apple pie, I'm an American. Dutch apple is so superior when you get the little crumble top on there. See that little crumble top? Little, little piece of, or a little scoop of vanilla ice cream on there with it? Dutch apple pie. Number three, cherry pie. Who doesn't love to just sink their face into a big cherry pie? Number two, blackberry pie. People don't know about blackberry pie. It doesn't get the love of apple pie, right? It doesn't get the love of cherry pie. People just gloss right over it. If you see a blackberry pie out there, you go dive in. Trust me, you'll be better off for it, even though you'll be picking the blackberry seeds out of your teeth for days. And finally, what is the top pie? I'm glad you asked. Key lime. Everyone knows key lime pie is masterful. Why? Because desserts should be fruity and delicious. Remember, no nuts. You don't, you don't put your nuts in this. Lime, sour, tangy, sweet. That is the top pie out there. So, happy pie day. I'll see you tomorrow. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. 
I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.